Blog Talk Radio. and around the world, streaming live on the internet, it's Real Estate Coaching Radio, bringing you the latest news, interviews, and secrets of the top producers. Hosted by award-winning real estate coaches, Tim and Julie Harris. And welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio, and we are broadcasting live, as always, from a somewhat, as I look out the window, overcast Austin, Texas. So um, Julie will be joining me in a second. She's actually getting off a coaching call as we speak. So guys, listen, a lot of interesting opportunities arising, and I'm hearing from all of you, certainly a lot of my private clients, and a lot of you are involved in Real Estate Coaching Essentials and the free coaching calls we're doing. A lot of you are giving me great feedback about what's happening in your individual marketplaces and the opportunities that maybe weren't there a couple of years ago that are there now. I'm hearing a lot of wonderful things about the new construction, all the opportunities that are arising from you know being able to work directly with the new new build reps. You know, Julie, write that down because we need to do a radio mm-hmm. show about how to leverage new construction in their communities. That's a great idea. Yep, you got you it. Know, I, it it's amazing because a lot of these new build these builders. So typically, after that, like say for example, back in the bubble, the new build reps will have had their pet realtors. And, you know, they'll have the realtors that they send listing opportunities to, all that type of thing. But now because the new construction across the country is just really, for the most part, getting kicked off again, you are looking at uh, new build reps that don't have agent relationships. So we're going to do an upcoming radio show on explaining to you how you can befriend them and in many ways uh, get listing referrals from them because uh, when they have someone walk in and wants to do new construction, they will oftentimes have a property to sell. They'll need to refer that that potential new build buyer uh, to an agent to sell their current property in order for them to obviously to move forward on the new construction. And we're going to be showing you on the upcoming radio show how you can leverage that. But I cannot remember a time um, in at least the past 10 years when it has been so exciting to be a real estate coach. The opportunities that you guys are creating for yourselves the success stories that we're hearing. But I have to be – this might sound a little self-serving, but the coaching calls that I like are the ones where they're coming to the coaching call. And, Julie, I know you've got stories like this, too, because mm-hmm. we talked about this morning on our our morning walk. But, you know, where they say, oh, my God, I used your pre-listing pack for the first time. And, I, you know, right. I took the listing. I never – I was nervous about using it. I've never used a pre-listing pack, and I beat the best realtor in town. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were, were you telling me something a story just like that? Was it yesterday oh, yeah. morning or this yeah. morning? Yeah, it was yesterday, and yeah, well, it was one of my, not totally new, but newer clients that, you know, we had had some conversations about in the beginning of coaching where, do I really need to do a pre-listing pack because all the appointments I've been on so far haven't really been competitive, and I seem to take them pretty easily. So then my next question is, tell me about your sources, and they're always, you know, repeat, referral, friends, family, close center of influence, where you should be taking them pretty easily. So the question is, for agents that have that profile, do you think that it's related that you're not going after things that you might have to compete on because maybe you don't have a pre-listing package and a really polished listing presentation? It's like the chicken or the egg, right? So we had a breakthrough with this particular client who lives in Fresno, and you know he had four listing appointments last week, and he should take all four of them. Now, that's a lot of appointments in one week. And that's more than he usually has. And it's with people who don't already know him. I think one of them was a referral and the other three were fresh. 
And his comment was, gosh, you know, I felt so much better going on those. And he said, you'd be really proud of me last week. I got him out. You know, I set the appointment for a, a day or two later. I sent out the pre-listing package. I confirmed. I used the scripts. I went there. It was so much easier. So now well, he's sold on Julie, Now he's like, give me saying, more. <laughs> what you're saying is really the bottom line why most of these guys don't, more aggress- don't aggressively pursue listings because they just don't mm-hmm. have the confidence. And, guys, the confidence comes from – or the lack of confidence comes from lack of preparedness. Knowing what mm-hmm. to say, knowing how to say it, but a great pre-listing pack, and this is really what all of our coaching students, you guys in Real Estate Coaching Essentials, our advanced coaching program and our breakthrough coaching program, oh, just I'm giving all of you heads up, July, for all of you guys, and there's thousands of you, it's going to be the month of the pre-listing pack. So if you're not using the pre-listing pack that you guys are paying for through the coaching program, you will be using it by the end of July. That is the commitment that we're making to all of our coaching students, and all of you are going to then get the benefits of having that pre-listing pack. Because here's what happens. The the way we designed our pre-listing pack is that, well, I'll tell you the story. I'll actually tell them the story, and then we're going to get to today's mm-hmm. topic, which is basically finishing up what we were talking about the other day, which was open houses. So uh, there was a time in Julie and I's real estate career when we were going on, and I know this will be under the category of nice problem to have, but too many listing mm-hmm. appointments in a day. It was getting nutty. There would be days right. when we have you know, two and three people, and you know the philosophy we've always had is when you have someone that has to sell their house, you have to get over there quick. Well, our lead generation spokes were working so well that we were getting so many listing appointments, we were getting overwhelmed. We just couldn't handle all the listing appointments. Again, I know, nice problem to have. A true first-world problem, I know. (laughs) Well, we couldn't maintain it. It was unsustainable. Too many appointments. So we had to think, how can we have somebody else come in, work as part of our team, and then we can have – you know, he or she start going on these listing appointments. And I wouldn't expect them to be as effective as us, but near as effective. So we then decided to make this pre-listing pack. And the pre-listing pack basically, what it is, I think it's what, 16, 17 pages. And it mm-hmm. includes every, it covers every single potential seller objection that they might have. We started, we, Julie and I brainstormed and wrote down all the typical things that a seller will ever ask about, all the points of contention that might come up in a listing presentation. You know, what's your commission or what, why should I hire you? You know, what's your success record? What's your list to sell price ratio? All the things that come up all the time and the things that maybe come up one in every 10 listing appointments. Those are all the things that are covered in the listing presentation or the pre-listing presentation. And you're sending that prior to going on the actual listing appointment. The point is, is when you send that over to a seller after you've pre-qualified, obviously you've set the appointment, you've pre-qualified them, you know what their motivation is, you send over the pre-listing pack, and students, please listen to what I'm saying. Do not change our pre-listing pack. We do want you to um, personalize, or at least internalize and then personalize a lot of the scripts and the other things we ask you to do. But when it comes to pre-listing pack, don't change it because it works just the way it is. It's been tested in all price ranges, in all markets, It's been tested now at this point for over 20 years. So this thing is absolutely killer. We do want you to personalize it in the sense that obviously you're putting your own personal statistics and all that good stuff on there. Real estate coaching students, remember, we do have – actually, I just put up a coaching student's um, example, one he just, you know, spent a good – good bit of time on we've been working on back and forth for probably about a month but his is on the website so coaching students log on the website and look at check out anthony's um i'm sorry joseph's uh pre-listing pack and uh, download it and then use that as a a template for some of the ways you might want to creatively personalize yours 
but the pre-listing pack is sent over prior to going on the listing appointment, and that pre-listing pack is then, the whole purpose of it is to get all those little niggly, nerve-wracking questions and, you know, tension-creating, stress-creating, doubt-inducing things well, a lot out of our way. objections. Yeah, well, exactly. But when you show up at the seller's house, guys, when they've read the pre-listing pack, there are going to be no, you know, it's going to be more of a social call. You're going to be going there to, you know, again, I'm not going to take this call and talk about our listing process, but the listing process is relatively straightforward at that point, and you very rarely will get blindsided uh, because the seller's objections have already been answered. And by doing it that way, the beauty of it is, is you actually make it less stressful for the seller. Because remember, many times the seller's not going to want to ask you stressful questions any more than you're going to want to hear them, and they're going to appreciate the fact that you are willing to put it all on the line ahead of time in the pre-listing pack and get the heavy lifting out of the way prior to you showing up. Trust me when I tell you, you will be unbelievably confident uh, with your opportunities with going on listing appointments because you know you're going to have what amounts to an absolute you know, nuclear bomb in terms of the power of the pre-listing pack, that you will be seeking out listing appointments because you know that you have almost, well, it's not even an almost unfair advantage. You do have an unfair advantage when you use our pre-listing pack. So existing students, if that did not motivate you, don't worry about it because you're going to be doing it in July. <laughs> so go to the website, <laughs> download the sample pre-listing packs, and also um, get started on your own. We're also sourcing for you some folks that you can uh, delegate, you can hire out, any sort of artsy-fartsy stuff you want to do on the pre-listing pack. I don't really care as long as it's done, as long as the pages are correct, and you have it completed by the end of the month. All right, into next month, rather. So, Julie. Yes. Today's topic, we're talking about the open houses. We're finishing the conversation we were having the other day about ways that these guys can maximize their returns on open houses. So we're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to go over, I think, what will be the final part of the presentation on how to monetize Really, I think a lot of times it's doing what you're doing on uh, with rocket boosters strapped to the side so you can actually make money. So we're going to talk about that when we come back from this quick commercial break. Is coaching right for you? And how can I guarantee it will work for me? Chances are you're asking yourself those questions right now. I'll answer those critical questions for you in just a moment. But first, let's be honest about something you may have always suspected. You've probably always known that the nation's top 1% of realtors, you know, those millionaire agents you see on TV, they possess a secret knowledge that the other 99% of agents do not have. Where did they learn what they know? And more importantly, how did they learn how to put this closely guarded information into money-making action? It's simple. They have a coach, not just any coach. The nation's mega millions, top 1% of the realtors know that in order to maintain their almost unfair advantage, that they must have their own personal coach, a proven market-tested coach who has truly walked in their shoes, a coach who has worked with many of the nation's leading agents. At this point, you're probably ready to maybe try coaching, However, you don't want to be unfairly locked into a long-term ball and chain that coaching contracts can give you. It just makes sense that you should be able to try it before you buy it. Even more importantly, you want to have a coach who is the best of the best, not someone who is simply assigned to you or, even worse, has never sold real estate. Can you imagine? If this is you, 
I have something for you right now that is exactly what you have been looking for. For the next 48 hours, Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching is offering you a free coaching call. This is a real coaching call with a real Tim and Julie Harris coach. Now, while you are thinking about it, why don't you visit us online at freecoachingcallsforagents.com to get started. Once again, that is freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Now, let's be clear. This exclusive coaching opportunity is only available for the first 50 realtors who are stone-cold serious about their real estate business and know that in order to succeed at the highest level, they must hire a coach. So don't wait any longer. Take action now and visit us again at freecoachingcallsforagents.com to schedule your free coaching call. Again, that's freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Thanks so much. See you all soon. Okay, we are back, and I have my uh, my warm cup of green tea in my hand, and we are ready to go. So, Julie, we're going to pick up right where we left off before, and we were talking about the open house rules, and I'm looking at my notes, and it looks to me like we are up to the point of open house prospecting rules. Is that correct? Yes, indeed. All right, so let's, and in fact, let's just jump. that title alone says something, that open house is for prospecting. Some of you guys are not clear on that. Some of you guys are stuck in your head that open house is for getting the seller off your back. Okay? We want you to monetize your open houses. Yes, ideally you're going to sell the house you're holding open, but there are actual prospecting rules to make this really work for you. This should not just be an exercise in futility where you're kind of getting it over with. We want you to really look at this as a spoke. What's a spoke? It's a pipeline of business that can be duplicatable and predictable. A great open house will produce for you a minimum of one more listing in that same neighborhood, a bunch of buyers, and probably an immediate new buyer appointment, minimum, if you do it right. So let's follow the open house prospecting rules. Number one, you must use a minimum of 10, that's right, 10 directional signs. Ask permission to place signs in the yards and connect with the homeowners who allow you this courtesy. Don't just plant them and run. Actually door knock them and ask them for the courtesy of borrowing their front yard in the corner of their property for a few hours. That's much better and counts as prospecting. Well, Julie, be careful in the word prospecting because you know that makes a lot of their teeth itch. So, so let's use more politically correct. Exactly. Lead generation. So if, if you guys don't like the word prospecting for whatever reason, uh, if it's too, I don't know, honest, let's just call it lead generation, <laughs> right. whatever makes you more comfortable. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Don't get stuck in the words. You know, Julie, it reminds me what you just said. Such a silly little point. But do you mm-hmm. remember when, um, I don't know if it's one of our buyer agents that were putting out the signs or if we were doing it, but I remember mm-hmm. specifically we got some feedback from a seller or from, I'm sorry, a property owner who actually went out of their way to thank us for asking to put the directional yes. sign in their front I yard. I remember that. Yeah, mm-hmm. because he said that you know his, this guy's house was right in an intersection, and you know, was, uh, I guess agents for ages have been using his corner of his lot to place signs, and he probably has never said anything, and you know, put up with it. But because we asked, that actually made a huge impression to the point where he had, went out of his way to mm-hmm. thank us. I thought that was pretty incredible, you know. So yeah. anyway, guys, these little these little tiny things make a huge bit of difference. Go back to the previous radio shows and listen to. 
you know, and re-listen to and completely convince yourself of the fact that what happens in the real estate business or in a sales business is people will work almost always with the first realtor that they meet, the first salesperson that they meet. Not the best looking, not the most experienced, not the most qualified, not the tallest, not the shortest, not the richest, not the poorest, not the, it doesn't matter. The first salesperson that they meet is the one that they're going to work with, something like 95% of the time. Hey guys, when was the last time you actually had a buyer or a seller pre-qualify you like you're supposed to be pre-qualifying them before you go on appointments. It just doesn't happen. They assume we're all the same. So these little ideas will lead to lead generation because at the end of the day, you are in the motion of, in the process of, making contacts, which is the bottom line. Next point, Jules. Next point is, very important, choose the right house to hold open. First-time buyer houses or first-time move-up houses in popular schools, great neighborhoods, nice curb appeal, Avoid gated communities. Avoid being buried way in the back of a neighborhood if you can. And I, you know, I just had this sort of memory flashback when it, we, you and I were driving through Laguna Beach, one of those twisty, roaded neighborhoods that are up on the hill, and you follow that open house breadcrumb sign. And there's like two open houses, but the neighborhood is huge and twisty and windy, and eventually it just dumped you right back out to the main drag. <laughs> it's like. You know, I wonder why there's nobody going to the open house, because nobody can right. find it. So choose your open houses wisely. Again, first-time buyer homes that are really cute, you know, the quintessential desired first-time buyer home, whatever that looks like in your marketplace, those are always great. And or the move-up buyer, right? But yeah, the, or move-up buyer, it's not the, too expensive, yeah. Right. It's the location of the property that matters. The reason yes. that first-time buyers are always good to go at is because the chances of them having previous relationships are about zero. But the move-up price ranges are also fantastic because in most cases, the agent that sold them the house that they will be selling out of to purchase the house maybe that you're holding open, that agent has done a poor job of communicating with them after the closing, probably not kept in contact with them all uh, at all, or most likely isn't even in the business anymore. So if you hold open a house that will be a really good move-up house, then you obviously got the shot at selling that house, uh, maybe to those prospective open house folks. But in the most part, you're going to sell. You might get a listing from what those uh, move up buyers in that price range will have to sell, and then you can, you know, then work with them on the up leg as well. So lots and lots of opportunity. Be thinking strategically. Be thinking about maximizing the return on your time, because that's really at the end of the day what we're selling. All of us, we're selling our time. Exactly. So point number three, door knock at least one hour prior to the open house using an open house flyer, which invites neighbors and friends for a, quote, sneak preview one hour prior to the public open house. Now, this has been extremely effective, especially lately in markets that have particularly low inventory, where you're inviting neighbors and friends for that sneak preview prior, than be, prior to being open to the public. What does this do? Well, we know that doing it right right now, some of these open houses are getting 50 to 100 people showing up. So if your mission is to connect with the neighbors, and why are the neighbors there? Well, they're probably gauging what price the home is and what you get for the money. Why do they do that? Because they're thinking about listing. So instead of trying to comb them out of the giant herd of attendees to your open house, because you have 10 directional signs and you're doing it right, you're going to have a sneak preview so that you can talk to the most important people prior to opening it to the public. Now, I've had a lot of my coaching clients actually take listings from doing this particular one item from our open house prospecting rules using the flyer 
and connecting with the neighbors. And oftentimes they're connecting before that person has actually set up their listing, present, their, their listing interviews. And many times the agent would not have normally been on that list, but because they're connecting early, when the person's just getting into the thought process, they're taking the listing. They've got it locked up before other people even have listing presentations signed, uh, you know, set up. Does that make sense? It does, because you are really leaving the impression upon the seller that you are, guess what, working. You're actually trying to get a house sold. You're not just sitting behind your computer and sending emails and putting people. Yeah, and putting people in your drip system. They will pay attention to that. They will appreciate that. Well, I was just thinking about, do you remember in uh, New Albany when we had a higher-end open house, and everybody thought we were crazy because nobody has open houses in the gated golf course community, you know, or at least golf course. Um, and it was a $900,000 property, and we got a call the next day from someone who said, you guys are the only agents who seem to be actually making an effort in the neighborhood. And, you yeah, know, I, I remember do. that that was a sleety, awful weathered day. And we thought at the end of that day, gosh, I don't know if we got anything out of that. And then the following day we got a call from who turned out to be one of our best clients ever with pages and pages of properties to sell. You know, So, yeah, be the one who makes the effort. Make sure that you're not just showing up and you know, sitting on the couch doing the typical open house, but you're actually doing it the right way. And that's why we're taking the time on today's call. Julie, it's funny that you should mention high-end real estate. And uh, this mm-hmm. is something that's... It's not always true, but it's like true 99% of the time. Some of you are in, are blessed with markets and price ranges where the average sell price really is, you know, a couple million bucks. I've got, you know, lots of coaching clients, Julie and I both do, in Bel Air and Hollywood and down in the expensive Manhattan. parts of Florida mm-hmm. and Manhattan. Oh, my God, some of the guys we have in Manhattan. <laughs> you know, their average sale price is, you know, several million dollars. Well, the interesting thing is, is when they're hustling, when they're out there working, when they're doing the door knocking, when they're doing the open housing, when they're doing all this obvious, uh, you know, work, they actually attract people to them because of that. How do? Let me explain. Right. Because most of the people with the nicer properties have had to work themselves to be able to afford the nicer properties. They mm-hmm. appreciate other people that Good make point. the effort. Now, see, here's here's the irony in that. In most upper end um, housing markets. The competition uh, is terrible. In other words, you mm-hmm. could be able to go, you'll be able to go into any higher end price range, and for the most part, you're going to find that most of the realtors there are getting most of their relationships, most of the listings from social contacts, the tennis club, the this, the that, the other. Oftentimes, those are the easiest markets to break into, the higher end ones, than say the ones where everyone has good skills, where everyone has to sell a lot of properties. Right. I remember when Julie and I sold, started selling real estate. We sold over 100 homes our first year, and we did a lot of them in Clintonville, Ohio, Worthington, Ohio. i got to tell you, some of the best realtors I've ever met in my life sold to in that marketplace. To this day, they're the same agents. Yeah. Oh, yeah. To this day, they're the same agents because we refer, when we get a listing referral still to this day, even though we haven't sold real estate for over a decade and we haven't lived in Columbus for even longer than that, well, you know, we still get our past clients that are asking us for, you know, help, and we'll point them to some of these great realtors. We use some of these great realtors for buying rental properties, but the point was they were damn good. Now, when we moved across town, 
and we moved to this other area where the average sale price was at the time 800000 uh, you know what? We found the competitors, for the most part, weren't good. And it's just true. They didn't have the same level of skill because they didn't have to because it was less competitive, you see. They got most of their business just more or less handed to them. Whereas the guys in Clintonville and real markets, Midwestern agents, you guys up in Detroit, Michigan, Minnesota, Oklahoma City, all you guys that are throughout the country that have normal sale price properties, you guys are the best agents in the country because you have to be. But if you do have the opportunity to enter into a higher-end market, and it's a good, viable market, in other words, properties are selling, don't be intimidated by the price, for God's sake. Listen to your coach or your future coach, depending if you're one of our students or not, and, and hear what I have to say. Those are the best and oftentimes the easiest markets for you to get at market share in and start by doing an open house. Next point, Julie. That's right. It's not what people think. Sometimes it's actually less competitive. Interesting right. point. Okay, so next point is place inexpensive ads in Craigslist on your Facebook page, etc. So make sure that you're telling the world that you're having the open house. So that basically stands for itself. If you're using Realtor.com, stuff like that, make sure you're announcing it. So number five, synchronize with other listing agents in the same area for a larger turnout. Now I always get the same objection on this, Tim. I don't know if you hear this as well. Well, gosh, you know, why would I want to send people to their open houses, right? Well, I mean, the philosophy is this, the more the merrier. If they've got an open house, maybe theirs is a four-bedroom and yours is a three-bedroom. They're advertising different places than you're advertising. The more the merrier. You're going to do a better job getting people to sign in, a better job following up on them, etc. So it's always better to have multiple open houses in the same neighborhood. Okay, so and I think I covered number six. Do announce it in your MLS, Realtor.com, etc. And then number seven, this is always an interesting thing. Have a formal and classy sign-in book, kind of yep. like a guest registry type of thing that you would see when you go to a wedding, and make sure that they actually sign in. Use a simple sign that says, the seller requests that all guests sign in. That way it's not because you, the realtor, is asking them to. It reminds them that, hey, I'm walking through somebody's home, and I'm sure if it was my house, I'd want to know who was tromping over my carpets. Well, and so also, the seller requests um, that all guests sign in. You guys need to seed the registration book. Literally have – it's like when you walk up – we've talked about this before in the radio show, and it's such a basic thing, but it's important. When you walk up to Starbucks and you're buying your latte or whatever, and there's a tip jar there, and there's no money in the tip jar, chances are you're not going to be putting a tip in the tip jar. But if you walk up to the tip jar and it's stuffed full of cash, you're going to feel the social pressure of putting money in the tip jar. Same thing goes with the registration book. Have a bunch. Have the register. If it's a brand new registration book and you don't have anyone, obviously that hasn't used it yet. Go ahead and put in a bunch of names and you know get the seed the jar basically, and then leave the registration book out with a big old sign that seller requests every you know everybody. So you're going to get some people that don't do it, and you're going to get some people that give you bad information. But for the most part, people are going to give you their real information. The same day, you have to call those folks that registered, and you have to thank them for attending the open house, especially if they are the neighbors, especially wait, if they're the, the neighbors day? that showed you, any interest. Wait a minute. Yes. Aren't I supposed to wait until Monday? Aren't I bugging them? Isn't that amazing how many people say that? I don't want to call on Sunday night because <sighs> I don't want to bug them. No, you don't want to call on Sunday night because you're being lazy. Call them right. on Sunday night. Call them on Sunday afternoon. Call them while you're at the open house thanking them for having attended. 
And if you get a really hot prospect, a neighbor that wants to sell or a buyer that wants to purchase something, be ready to go on a listing appointment. Have a pre-listing kit with you to hand to that hot seller so they have, or have several in case more than one shows up. And say, here you go, check this out, I'll see you tonight at 6.30 and go back to that neighborhood, go list that seller's house. If you happen to have a buyer that walks in there, really geeked up about the house, be ready to write the contract. And I know a lot of you guys use zip forms and all this digital Mickey Mouse, but and for the most part, I want you to have a paper contract literally ready to go, literally ready for them to sign. In other words, be prepared. If you now, have so you a, have to go to your car and dig out your iPad and hope that it's charged and you know, blah blah blah. Remove or all worst objections. Case, or worst case, you guys do these digital contracts. And then you say something like, well, I'm going to email you the contract, review it, and email me back. No, that is not how you sell. When you have somebody that wants to buy something, you have them buy it. You don't just basically give them an opportunity to change their mind, right, or second-guess their decision. Or even worse, allow another buyer to come in there and purchase that property and thus pissing off that first buyer that already told you that they wanted to purchase it, but because you were not quick enough with the ability for them to sign a contract, you now have not only lost the opportunity to double in that property, but maybe the other offers coming in from a co-op. You guys following us on all of this? You see there's a sense of urgency in everything that we ask you to do. Do you see how we're asking you to do in many cases this open house thing was because we had a lot of you guys requesting uh, Julie and I to present these points to you. So this is the second, of, uh, second radio show we've done on this topic. But the thing that we ask all of you to do is take what you're doing now and just turn it up maybe three or four notches. Turn up the volume. Make it so that it's a little bit more intense. The tiniest little changes make the biggest difference in your real estate practice. And guess what, guys? In your income. So here we are. We're almost at the high water mark for the year in terms of six months behind us, six months ahead of us. Where are you going to be in six months income-wise? Where are you choosing to make the next six months in terms of your opportunities? What opportunities are you still able to grab hold of over the next six months because of the fact that you're deciding to take massive action? If you're one of our coaching students and you're you know, starting to experience some of the typical summer walls and energy and motivation and a lot of the things that everyone experiences this time of year, depending on your market, it just might be hotter than heck outside. Go to the website, download and fill out the 90-day massive action plan, and use that for the next 90 days. You still have time to make this the best year ever. You do. You have the best opportunity now to really make a fortune, help hundreds of people, depending on your goals, this year. But you have to take action now because truthfully, in 90 days, when we're talking towards the end of the summer and you come to us for a free coaching call and saying, I'm hoping I can turn my year around, when we're basically you know, looking at Thanksgiving, it's too late. You've already blown it. But right now, really realistically, for the next 60 days, you could get in max, massive action and you could still make this a tremendous year. And if you're already having a fantastic year, don't lose your momentum. Don't slow down. Do everything in your power to keep the winds at your back. If there's anything we can do for you, go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. And I know Julie has a coaching call, as I do right mm -hmm. now. So, again, if you guys need us for anything, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. In the meantime, stay frosty, and we'll talk with you tomorrow on the radio. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. 
Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.